You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rao Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why didn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good stuff. If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first. Very honored that you would join me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Sowell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack a baby? What's crack a It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rowe Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. Bernie Sanders is taking aim at President Trump following this weekend's Nevada caucuses. Brothers and sisters, if we stand together, we will not only defeat Trump, we will transform this country and create a government and an economy that works for all of us, not wealthy campaign contributors. Sanders speaking there last night at a rally in San Antonio, Texas, after cementing his front-runner status in Nevada. Texas is one of the biggest states to vote on March 3rd, Super Tuesday, when more than a dozen states will hold primaries. At least one precinct in northern Nevada had Spanish translation issues during the caucuses. From member station KUNR in Reno, Stephanie Serrano has details. For the first time, the Nevada State Democratic Party made it possible for caucus participants to fill out presidential preference cards in Spanish and Tagalog in addition to English. But some Latino voters at Hug High School in Reno were still confused because the Democratic Party did not provide an in-person Spanish interpreter. Melanie Sanchez was one of the caucus goers who ended up providing Spanish translation on the fly. This process is very confusing and they don't make it easier, and especially if you're not like a, a native English speaker, they don't make this process easy. If I could help someone make the process a little bit easier, I'm happy to do that. Sanchez says that if the party is serious about including the Latino vote, they need to make more accommodations for non-English speakers. 
For NPR News, I'm Stephanie Serrano in Reno. The outbreak of the new strain of coronavirus is growing in South Korea, Iran, and Italy, leading to fears that it may become a global pandemic. NPR's Jason Bovian reports that governments are scrambling to try to contain the illness. Officials in Italy have essentially locked down areas where large numbers of COVID-19 cases are being detected. Prior to Thursday, Italy only had three confirmed cases. Now it has more than 100. Businesses and schools are shut. Public sporting events, including the extremely popular Serie A soccer matches, have been canceled. Milan has ordered all schools and universities closed. Korea has also seen cases skyrocket and is now grappling with more than 600. The government has declared the outbreak to be a level four emergency, the highest designation. And Iran has ordered schools, universities, and cultural centers shut down in 14 provinces, where officials have detected several clusters of cases. Jason Bobian, NPR News, Hong Kong. There is word from Italy this morning that Italian authorities have canceled the final two days of the carnival celebration in Venice in another move to stop the spread of the new coronavirus. Several people reported dead in Turkey today following an earthquake that was centered in neighboring Iran. Officials say emergency teams have been sent to help search for survivors. The government says more than 1,000 buildings collapsed. And from Washington, this is NPR News. Coming up next on the serious side. So excited that Verdi won Nevada. Um, this just shows that we are moving forward. There's a momentum in the city that is pushing us forward, and that's where we need to be. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. From the very first minutes of his debate debut, Michael Bloomberg under blistering attack. The idea that he's making the case that he and Barack are really close buddies when he didn't support us, he didn't, and, or that, uh, you know, I mean, what comes out with, with Bernie is, I was just saying to another reporter, I didn't realize that until the Atlantic article, article came out, that I knew he talked about someone should primary Barack for the second term because he didn't like, he thought Barack wasn't, I guess, socialist enough. Or... Uh, I think to listen to Bernie Sanders, you believe that he was a county commissioner somewhere. Uh, what he is repeatedly saying is, is that uh, he would have been better in than President Obama in a variety of circumstances. He said race relations would have been better. He's been dismissive and disrespectful. Uh, he also said that the president had a leadership gap. He said that the president was weak. And in 2011, uh, when President Obama was preparing for re-election, he, he said that he should be primaried. So his comments last night, which I happen to believe are incorrect, are consistent with his dismissive and disrespectful attitude towards President Obama. In the past, he's called him weak. He's called him a disappointment. The kind of criticism that we've heard from Senator Sanders about our president, I expect from Republicans. I do not expect from someone running for the Democratic nomination to succeed President that Obama. That is, Madam Secretary, that is a low blow. I have worked with President Obama for the last seven years. But you know what? Last I heard, we lived in a democratic society. Last I heard, a United States senator 
had the right to disagree with the president. Former President Obama's decision to, le- to deliver a Wall Street speech stunning the left wing of the Democratic Party. Uh, left wing Senator Elizabeth Warren saying she's choking on the on the event, saying she's, quote, troubled that Mr. Obama will pocket $400,000 for a September address at a conference run by investment firm Cantor Fitzgerald. Troubled she is. Welcome to the serious side of the Jay Ryle Show with Mrs. Vanessa Maybell, Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, Jay Ryle. Good morning and welcome to the serious side. I'm Jay Ryle. And these are the topics that we will discuss today, February 23rd, 2020. A good week for Bill the Bird. Bernie Sanders had a good debate in the big win in Nevada. Is he now unstoppable? The Obama problem. That's right, the Democrats have an Obama problem. Bernie Sanders is trying to be the standard bearer for a party that was once led and still in some ways is by President Obama. Will his past run-ins with the former president hurt him in the long run? And like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Mike Bloomberg is telling their experience of working with President Obama on a number of things. But like Bernie, they too have the Obama problem. Let's bring in our panelists, the people that I love and I share the stage with every Sunday morning. First up, she is probably one of the most, I don't know, I think we're just so just, we are just so jealous of this woman because she is living the best life. Our queen on Sunday mornings, the one and only Vanessa Mae Belly from the Macanelli. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Good morning. I'm sorry. Can you hear me today? He can hear you just fine. Okay. Good morning. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm, Ooh, I'm whispering. Man. You know, it's seven, o'clock, it's 7 o'clock in the morning in Las Vegas. I got up to do the show. Oh, look at this here. I feel, look at, you know, once again, <laughs> throw it in our face, why don't you? Well, hello and greetings I'm to sorry. you in Las Vegas. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Okay. Greetings. Yeah, but whatever. Okay. That's the reason why I'm whispering. Okay, all right. Well, whatever. We're going to move on past <laughs> you because once you, again, Jay. the jealousy is prevalent. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, all right, the brother. Yeah, know. whatever. We, we pass you. We ain't talking to you. Go go gamble. I ain't talking to you. All right, so listen. Let's bring him in. Uh, yeah, I call him the educator brother. Uh, I love him so much. My little bro, Mr. Johnny D, in the place to be. Man, what's going on, John? How you doing, bro? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I tell you, I, I am blessed. I've I've already gotten up as I normally do on a Sunday morning, got my word in, so I'm empowered. And about halfway through the week, then I have to go back for Bible study to keep power without powering on. But I am thankful to be a part of the show, thankful for Miss Vanessa, who is mm. the crown queen of travel. And Miss Vanessa, in spite <laughs> of what 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 my big brother just said, there is no jealousy. I'm just looking for being able to perhaps join you in a couple of years when I decide that I'm going to end my 30-plus years of government service. And uh, to all the listeners, thank you all for allowing us an opportunity to enter your home. Once again, another another disturbing week in American politics, and I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to the dialogue. Absolutely. It's going to be some good Good stuff. I tell you what. 
Yeah, you guys are just whatever. All right, this is the man who really runs everything <laughs> around here. The brother, my brother from another mother, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S gets the first and last word. There he is, the man, Mr. L.E.S. Man. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning, Hawk, and mwah. good morning, Nessa. I ain't jealous of the baby girl. Good morning. I'm be right there with you. Good morning, good morning. I know that's right. Well, while you guys are hanging out in Las Vegas, I'll be at Walmart greeting people to come in because I'm going to be working until I'm 90. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you. Love you. <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, maybe have a good show lined up for you. So without any further ado, let's get into it. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. From the very first minutes of his debate debut, Michael Bloomberg under blistering attack. The frontrunner, Senator Bernie Sanders, eager to take on the newcomer. I believe in democratic socialism okay, for no. working people, not billionaires. Over and over again, the billionaire pummeled for his record, pressed on allegations he made sexist comments, and then tried to silence the women. None of them accused me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just put, and let me put, there's a be agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet, and that's up to them. We are not going to beat Donald Trump with a man who has who knows how many non-disclosure agreements and the drip, drip, drip of stories of women saying they have been harassed okay. and discriminated against. That's not what we do as Democrats. Mr. President, look, let's get something straight here. It's easy. All the mayor has to do is say, you are released from the non-disclosure agreement. Period. Bloomberg tried to explain, but it wasn't enough for his rivals. Anybody that does anything wrong in our company, we investigate it, and if it's appropriate, they're gone that day. In City Hall, the person, the top person, my deputy mayor, was a woman, and 40% of our commissioners were women. I hope you heard what his defense was. I've been nice to some women. That just doesn't cut it. Yeah. Wow, so what a week it's been. Uh, listen, Mike Bloomberg got it. Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, he just won the Democratic uh, caucus in uh, Nevada. And, you know, I tell you what, uh, folks, you need to pay attention to what's going on here because Bernie Sanders has uh, had, he has the wind behind his sails. Mr. Elias, let me start off with you. The fact that he came through that Democratic debate unscathed, Nobody really went after him. And the fact that he just won Nevada, he has won, I think, the first three Democratic contests. Looks like he's already stopping Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Will he, is it, can we just go ahead and say right now he's going to be the Democratic nominee for president for uh, the 2020 election? No, I'm not going to say that just yet, Jay. It's too early in the season to just to, 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 to bow down and hand him the crown, man. And it's way too early in the season, so let's wait and see how it plays out. And you know, I don't, I don't even think he thinks he's going to get the the, the full nomination because he said he said himself, I think if I'm in the lead, 
and I don't have enough votes, you should just bow down to me and let me have it. That's not how it works. Well, that's what he said during the debate. But what he said in yeah. San Antonio yesterday says uh, he do believe that he's going to win the nomination. Now, I'm not sure what you're looking at, but this guy knows that he has momentum. Okay, he knows he has momentum, but you know what, man? Anybody can be tripped up at any time, man. So just be, just be aware that it's too early in the season to just say he's the winner. We we just gonna we just gonna back him right now. It's too early in the season. Hmm. What about you, Vanessa? What do you think? You think that Bernie Sanders is at a point after his debate? Once again, he was the front runner, and you know Bloomberg was a uh, it was something sent from heaven. Because normally when someone's a front runner, you get everything. But when Bloomberg showed up on the stage because of the amount of money he has been spending uh, during this campaign season, he was a target. And they came after him with both guns blazing. But the bottom line is, is that Bernie Sanders, nobody really went after him. And now that he's won Nevada, what are you thinking? And since you're in Nevada, tell us what you think. What, what are you seeing on the ground down there? Oh, they got... Um they have a billboard going down the strip. Uh, I think it's by the Bellagio somewhere. That's as big as the Mariah Carey billboard. And it's just lighting up because, you know, Trump was here the other day when the Democrats were here. And because all these people are here from the fight that they had last night, they had this big old thing that goes around this building that says Trump. And when I tell you that I got here Friday, and since Friday, I've had three racial make Trump great again, make America great again, Trump hats on, people acting stupid with me. They're here. These Trumpsters are here in, in, in Nevada. I just want you to know that, baby. I told Bobby that last night. I said, these people are don't hide it in Nevada, that they are Trump people. They don't hide it. And I feel sorry for the people who work in this industry in Nevada and have to deal with them because if they act stupid with me because I'm African-American, I can imagine how they treat the African-Americans that actually work in this industry in uh, Las Vegas because they have Jay and they showing out, baby. And I don't, I do believe, and I hate to say it, Les, you know, me and you are union people. I believe that he does have it going. Uh, as far as the momentum, I don't want to see Bernie Sanders win because I'm union and I have given up a lot and so has Bobby to get our insurance and stuff for us for when we retire. And if Bernie Sanders gets in there, y'all, he's going to take our insurance and stuff that we gave up money for as a union. We gave up pay raises as a union in order to get different insurance policies and stuff that we have. And for him to come in down here and tell these cooking people, culinary people down here, oh, I'm going to take y'all insurance and, and, and everybody go get it this year, I just don't know how he got it in Nevada. I don't know how he got it because I don't know how those union people are backing him down here because they're giving up a lot, a lot. And let you know what, what I'm talking it? about. But, Vanessa, but, but let me ask you yes. this, Vanessa. Is it a situation where it's the younger, 
it's the younger people who are supporting him. And we all know, especially in his in the Hispanic community, that, you know, the younger kids have an influence on their older parents in some cases because, you know, it's not to say that it's not unimaginable for you to have one parent that's legal and another parent that's not. And, and so usually their kids are very influential. And what he is saying, he is a Bernie Sanders, is really attracting these young, look at all the young Latinos who voted for him. So, so, so who's to say, you, you say you don't understand how the union people went with him, which I'm a little shocked too, but really it's the young folk who are really pushing this guy. You know what? I understand the young people pushing it, Jay, because he keeps saying, we're going to do daycare. We're going to have free. You know, I call him Mr. Free, Free, Free and, and Elizabeth Warren too. So, you know, the younger people are listening to him because he's saying he's going to give them free education. That's not going to pass. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen. But they believe what he's saying. They also say yes. he's going to give them insurance. So, of course, they want the insurance because they got all these babies and stuff. So they want the insurance. I get that. But all these things that, that Bernie Sanders is promising these people will not get passed by either the Congress or the House, depending on who's got what. So I don't know why these people are believing it. And, and as far as these union people down here, they've lost their minds. I really want to see him, Jay, pull Texas like he said he's going to pull it. If he pulls Texas, I'll vote blue no matter who. But I want to see him pull Texas. You go ahead and pull Texas. Because mm. we got some friends. We'll find out. I want to see him pull gonna, Texas. We, we are. Well, it's not that far away. And March is uh, right around the corner. What about you, Johnny? What do you think? What do you think, Johnny? You think, man, this guy has momentum, man, and that Bernie Sanders is uh you know, he had a good debate uh, because nobody really came after him. Uh, once again, he won Nevada. He won Nevada pretty big. I mean, let's not fool ourselves. Even though, you know, to me, that's always misleading because you look at the numbers, but you look at the amount of people who voted. But the bottom line is, it is what it is. That's the system that's in place. What do you think, Johnny? You think this guy is on his way to being the Democratic nominee? Right now, he is pretty in line with, with what he did in 2016, uh, although at that particular time you were, you were literally talking about he, he and Hillary Clinton. You know, the irony to it all is, is this here. He fought Hillary Clinton long after statistically he knew that he couldn't win, okay, in 2016, right. if, if you all remember that, okay? So now for yep. him to so early in, 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 in the primaries that to try to get everyone to concede is almost a, a mockery. Uh, but then again, this entire political process is a mockery in and of itself. Uh, when, when, when I saw those wolves out there on the stage the other night, I, 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 I almost wept because what, what I have began to wrap my arms around is the simple fact that by the time November comes, there will be so many kinks and holes in the armor of any of these particular candidates that's currently running that mm. only momentum that they will have will come in August or September when the primary season is winding down and it's finally looking like there's going to be a Democratic candidate. The inspiration of diversity at the vice presidency is the only real optimism that I see at this point because they're simply taking each other and annihilating each other uh, apart at this point um, I did think that, that, that Joe Biden took a, a slight degree At Bernie Sanders which he typically Does but but certainly um, um, Mayor Bloomberg He really looked out of place And it was unfortunate In the sense that um, <laughs> One can be deceived by the ad 
you know, when, when you see all the commercials coming at you thinking, okay, this guy's the next becoming. But when he was when he was live and front and center on that stage, he really looked <laughs> out of place and unprepared. Um, you know, I mean, to, to the point where I'm sitting up here saying, look at this guy, man. I mean, yeah. he, he, he just looked really uncomfortable in, in the spotlight. Um, I, you know, it, it, it really is. It's shameful. It really is shameful. And for those individuals who are sitting around applauding uh, Elizabeth Warren, you know, don't don't do so. I I, I thought that she looked desperate and how she simply attacked each person uh, going down the line. And Bernie Sanders is, is a dreamer. If you look at his state, does his state have free education? Does his state have uh, free health care for, for all? No. So if he if he can't get it done for his state as long as he's been representing the state, then surely, surely um, America isn't ready for that. And, you know, let's not dismiss the fact that this this criminal, this retrobate uh, Trump has purposely not funded the intelligence and the security measures necessary to protect America's voting process. So when the, the intelligence community sets back and indicates that Russia is, is propelling mm-hmm. uh, Bernie Sanders, let's not dismiss that, folks. And for those who, who set back in the Trump campaign and, and try to you know, make it look like it's idle tongue, they understand why they did not invest any money in, 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 in the securities to protect the thing that, that people lost their yeah. lives for was the democracy. So don't yeah. don't think Bernie Sanders doesn't understand that he's he's the favorite of that. Okay, clearly the three persons that I see Donald Trump really wanting to go head to head with is is first and foremost Bernie Sanders because all he has to do is say socialist, and there's a large portion of even moderate Democrats who are gonna sit back and say that's unrealistic and I just don't buy it. So there's the skepticism. He would also like to face, uh, face Pete Buttigieg. I think that he would he, he, he would enjoy the mockery of setting back trying to let his constituents uh, uh, demean and, 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 and humanize people for, for their choices. And also Elizabeth Warren. I think he would get great entertainment out of, out of opposing her. Now, the other ones may not stand a, a, a chance either, but the truth is I think those would be the top three that he would love to – the tally off yeah, I, and I think you're we're, absolutely we're correct. Buying into this thing now, yeah, yeah, we're buying into it. No, no, I think you're right, Johnny. I, I think you're absolutely correct that you know you, you're talking about two socialists. I mean, even though Elizabeth Warren is kind of borderline on that, but Pete Buttigieg, you know, we had this conversation on the show. I just don't think that America's going to put a gay guy in the White House. I'm just being honest about that. Let's bring in the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Esprit, and just graceful for his presence. Good morning, Jerome. How you doing, brother? How you'd be this? Good Sunday morning. Look at here, the early riser, Jerome. <laughs> the early riser. I'm good, man. How you doing? Good morning, Jerome. Good morning, good morning. All right, man. Good morning. Good morning. I love him. Hey, I'm you're the well. early riser. You in Vegas? <laughs> yeah, I know. That ain't no Don't even bring that up. You have to bring up Vegas again. All right, listen, oh, listen, bad. man, real quick. I, I got to ask you this because, you know, when this was playing out yesterday, I was thinking about you. So Bernie Sanders, you know, he leaves the delegate, what, 34 to 23. Buttigieg is in second place. Biden is in fifth place. Uh, as far as his support with African-Americans, 
that gap is closed. Now it's Biden at 69% and Bernie at 65%. You know, he just won Nevada. He had a pretty decent debate. Talk to me, Jerome, man. What do you think, man? You think this guy is on his way to, to get the Democratic nomina- nomination for uh, president? I think I think you're hilarious for asking me that question. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so, yeah. How about if you make me laugh and respond to it, if you don't mind? Well, I can't respond without insulting you, so I had to tell you it is really hilarious. Well, thank you, Jerome. I appreciate that. Now, God so bless you. But but yes. Here's how this goes. Like so, we're talking yeah. about what three percent of the delegates in. That means true. what? So just yeah. just to give you a little history, do you know Bill Clinton mm-hmm. lost eleven the first eleven races before he got the nomination? Eleven. I didn't know that. The first yeah. 11 races are the first 11 contests during the race. What, what, what do you mean? Clarify for me. The first 11 contests during the primary, he lost. Well, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's why it's hilarious. That's why. Because what happens, Jay, is that we keep thinking of life like a horse race. Remember back in, like, October, it was like, I think Biden's done. <laughs> like, it's like, I think this guy's done, and that that guy should drop out. We do this for every daggone contest. Nevada's only 50% in today. It ain't even in yet. True. So they're projecting I thought I saw it was 93% in, Jerome. You sure are. 50% you're right. I'm looking at it on TV. You're right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Jay, for trying to correct me. It is 50% in, right? And so we don't even know what the allocation is. They just allocated 13% to Bernie Sanders because they, mm-hmm. they're projecting that and. They know that they have to allocate another 26, I think. So you don't know what those numbers are. So even coming on coming on and, and giving those numbers is a false perspective. Because people are like, oh, Bernie Sanders got 34 and Buttigieg got 23. That 34 is the 13 that they just added without adding the other 26. That, those are misnomers. So that's not responsible journalism to me. I mean, I know those guys are pundits on TV, so that's fine. But... Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, um, you always have to watch how the media perspective on political races because they will make a false narrative true, and then it will sit in people's head. So to think that Bernie Sanders is like, like good, you have to remember he beat Hillary there too. As a matter of fact, he beat Hillary by a wider margin, and the numbers aren't even in yet. So well, yeah, that's a false, that's a false narrative. Bernie Sanders did the exact same thing during the during the last race. So what? He got his stuff. He got his people still in place. He has a lot of people on the ground in Nevada. He had a lot of people on the ground in Iowa. So they're going to caucus well for him. But to to spit that narrative out is kind of irresponsible for anybody who knows better. I'm not saying for you guys or anybody who's watching this on TV. I am saying that. And I just told Elias this. When I do this show, the, the issue for me in doing this show is that we don't go by media narrative. So I, I respect the listeners enough to say that we shouldn't be putting things on them. I mean, as far as I know, we shouldn't put things on them that is completely ridiculous. So that's why I'm calling it ridiculous. Not anybody else's perspective. And, and as that, Johnny's... Um, assessment was a hundred percent on, you know, and I meant to say that when I first came on is that looking at this, when you start talking about the 
coalition of um, of voters. You're talking young people, and Vanessa was right too. When you talk about young people, young people are going to do in young people's interest, right? And that makes perfect sense that they're saying, hey, we need to have an education system like this. We need to have our student loans taken care of. We need to have that. But the truth is, is that Congress sends laws to the president and the president signs them. So the trick is to get that stuff done on the ground and to change the Congress and the Senate. But that's not a presidential issue. If a presidential candidate is talking about that, they're feeding you bull because they can't make Congress do jack. Amen. Tell them. Obama just found that out. Right? If we didn't watch nothing for the last eight years, you could say Obama was ineffective all you want to. Congress could not, did not have his back. We don't have universal health care because Congress could not pass it. You think Bernie Sanders is going to pass it? Matter of fact, Bernie Sanders will probably lose the House because he can't campaign with nobody. So, so when you look at the bigger picture, think of a Senate race that, that Bernie Sanders would be able to go in and be, and be able to rally people. He rallied nobody. So this is, yeah, this is like up. way too early. And I think... The, the the problem is is that people like Steyer and um, Bloomberg, that media marketing is changing those polling numbers and giving people a false perspective on how well Bernie Sanders is doing. He's just taking away from Biden and everybody else that media stuff. Sanders people have always yeah. been Sanders people, and his numbers are about the same or a little lower than what he did for Hillary doing Hillary, but it's it's spread out because. There's no Hillary in there. There's no one Democratic candidate in there to challenge Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders' coalition is still together, but his numbers aren't better. That's a good point you bring up, the fact that they're splitting the vote, and I think that once it narrows down, I think you'll really be able to see. Plus, like I said before, when you look at the first three contests, you know, it gives this impression, oh, my God, Iowa, ooh-wee, really? Stop it. So when Super Tuesday comes around, we'll definitely get a chance to see the real deal. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of Sanders, and, and we're going to talk about it later on in the show, one of the main reasons why I'm not a fan of him, but uh, we'll get into that a little later. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. All right, coming up now, coming up next, this week's edition of In 4 Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. The coronavirus, man, is a real serious thing that we need to keep our eye on. You know, that's just the bottom line. And so with the strained relationship between the U.S. and China, man, good graces, this virus is adding more stress to that relationship. So we're going to take a break. Kavita Man is in the queue. We'll get him in right after the break. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Raw Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. It's time for this week's edition of Informative Select Something That You Need to Know. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. The number of people infected with the coronavirus has passed 20,000. The World Health Organization says the risk of it spreading remains high. They are urging countries to share information to battle the deadly virus. But lack of coordination between two key players, the U.S. and China, is making that effort more difficult, as NPR's Jackie Northam reports. The sheer scale of the coronavirus requires an all-hands-on-deck kind of approach, sharing data and coordinating a response to what could very well turn into a pandemic. But that cooperation has been elusive for the world's two economic superpowers. 
Right now, the U.S.-China relationship is suffering from a deep deficit of trust. That's Evan Medeiros, a former chief advisor for Asia on the National Security Council in the Obama administration. He says a certain level of distrust has always been part of the U.S.-China relationship. But a bruising trade war and significant strategic differences have exacerbated the bad blood between the two countries. Madero says even if its relationship is becoming more competitive, the coronavirus illustrates there are some issues where the U.S. and China need to work together. As China becomes a global power, the U.S. and China are going to need to cooperate on big global issues like climate change, pandemics, global economic growth. Madero says there has been cooperation among the U.S. and Chinese scientists. But cooperation at the government level feels a long way away. Beijing turned down an offer by the Centers for Disease Control to travel to China. Messaging by Washington has seemed mixed. Last week, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross told Fox Business News there might be a silver lining to the coronavirus. I think it will help to accelerate the return of jobs to North America, some to U.S., probably some to Mexico as well. The administration also issued its highest travel alert to China, introduced a quarantine, and announced it would deny entry to foreign nationals who had been in China in the past two weeks. A Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson accused the Trump administration of spreading fear and panic. But Derek Scissors, an Asia economist at the American Enterprise Institute, says many other countries have also introduced travel restrictions. The Chinese are more sensitive to the United States closing its borders than any other country because we're the global leader. If Burundi closes its borders, if Belgium closes its borders, if Botswana closes its borders, it doesn't really matter. Scissors says the administration doesn't believe China has been forthcoming about the scope of the virus or the measures it's taking to contain it. Scott Kennedy, a China specialist at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, says historically the Chinese have wanted to control the message. But Kennedy says the U.S. is justified pushing Beijing for more information. The U.S. needs a lot more transparency from China, and we need that to be built in so that if we're going to continue to allow people to, to travel back and forth and do business with each other, we don't have a constant fear about the health consequences of that. There is one ray of hope. Beijing says it will consider allowing American scientists to join a team from the World Health Organization when it travels to China in the coming days. Jackie Northam, NPR News. think to listen to Bernie Sanders, you believe that he was a county commissioner somewhere. Uh, what he is repeatedly saying is, is that uh, he would have been better in than President Obama in a variety of circumstances. He said race relations would have been better. He's been dismissive and disrespectful. Uh, he also said that the president had a leadership gap. He said that the president was weak. And in 2011, uh, when President Obama was preparing for re-election, he, he said that he should be primary. 
Welcome back in 347-850-1272. minutes after the hour, you're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best, as promised. Before the break, I mentioned that our favorite listener in the whole wide world is in the queue. Let's bring him in. Good morning, convener man. What's happening with you, brother? Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? Doing outstanding, man. What's up? Talk good to morning. him. How you feel about yeah, this whole I, thing? Good morning, yeah, I sir. Want, I want to, yeah, good morning. I want to speak on this Bernie Sanders, man. I I, yes, I, I might be switching parties, man. I'm ready. To, I'm I'm ready to to black. You know, the black people leave the Democratic Party. I'm out. I, I, I've, uh, we vote here in California on March third. That's Super Tuesday. I'm, I'm gonna hang in there till Super Tuesday. Uh, by, by Wednesday morning, I might be out. Depending on how this how this Bernie Sanders, I I, I can't I can't take it. I will, I'm 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 leaving because here's here's my my thing. He's gonna he's gonna open his border, and he's gonna give everybody in South America and Mexico free college, free uh, uh, you know uh, medical, and and basically gonna give reparations in, in form of uh, college and and medical to everybody Hispanic and black people gonna be really at the bottom of the boat. I can't take it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be out. They 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 done, they done slapped us, man. They done, they done slapped us black people. We're, we're done. Vote blue, <laughs> no man. matter who. You heard it. You heard it here first. No, I'm not, man I'm out. He is, is out. Blue is done. <laughs> he said the blue is done. If Turkey Sanders is the guy, man. Nobody you know, we appreciate on always, that brother. Trump. Nobody. Nobody. Well, I, I tell you what. Yeah, but but here's the deal, and, and, and look, and what Kavita man is saying is what a lot of moderates are thinking when it comes to this guy. This is a guy who, you know, you know, Johnny D talked about this during the last segment. He talked about, you know, what has this guy done? I mean, name some major legislation that Bernie Sanders has passed since he's been in Congress. You know, and the fact that, you know, once again, he was thinking about. Primary President Obama. Now there was an article in the Atlantic this past week, and it's entitled "The Hidden History of Sanders' Plot to Primary Obama." Let me read a little bit of this for you guys, and we'll have a conversation on the other side. It says Bernie Sanders got so close to running a primary challenge to President Barack Obama that Senator Harry Reid had to intervene to stop him. It took Reid two conversations over the summer of 2011 to get Sanders to scrap the idea, according to multiple people who remember the incident, which has not been previously recorded. That summer, Sanders privately discussed a potential primary challenge to Obama with several people, including Patrick Leahy, his his fellow Vermont uh, Vermont, uh, senator. Leahy, who was alarmed, warned Jim Messina, who was President Obama's campaign manager at the time, and the and the and the Obama campaign team was absolutely panicked by this uh, by this report by Leahy. And and, and uh, Masona told the reporter who wrote this story, every president who has gotten primary uh, lost the general election. And David Plouffe, another one of Obama's uh, uh, people, confirmed Messina's account. That uh, that this guy tried to primary him, and you heard, you know, you heard at the beginning of the show where Hillary Clinton talked about how, you know, he called President Obama weak. This is a guy. He has been running for president for so long, and the bottom line is he is going through this process of escape. Let me let me talk. Let me start with you, Vanessa. If he is the Democratic nominee, 
I mean, what what can the party do? What if, if he becomes a nominee and the party all of a sudden says, you know what, we, we just can't put you out there. That would fracture. You correct me if you think I'm wrong. I think that would fracture the Democratic Party because you cannot allow this guy to be the representative. I mean, you just can't. Because if he is, President Trump will win re-election, hands down. What say you, Vanessa? Okay. Let me say this. First of all, uh, Kavina, I am on social media as much as possible, pushing uh, young people or people, period, to vote blue no matter who. And for you to say, I'm just going to switch, is like saying, I'd rather have a person call me a nigger and say that I live in the, in the shithole country. Hey, Vanessa! That we ain't, hold on, hold on, Jay. Good uh-uh, you brought him on. Like Mr. Elliott. Good God. Uh-uh, no, no, oh, yeah. no, no. You would rather have, let me close the door so these neighbors can't hear me. You would rather But you know it's real talk. Go ahead. It's real talk. Sometimes real talk I needs mean, to be heard. Go ahead, Vanessa. Because I am doing everything I can, and so is Les. We are on media posting, reposting, telling people it, it doesn't matter who wins. We still got to have a Democrat in the House. No, I don't like Bernie Sanders. I didn't like Bernie Sanders a long time ago when Les thought he was a good guy. I, I don't care. I don't care who's in that White House because I'm black and I've been black for 57 years. And no matter what they throw at me or throw at any black people, we know how to make some pinto beans with ground meat and some cornbread and survive. So that's, I'm not even worried about that. But don't go around telling people I'm going to change parties because you don't like who's going to be in the White House. And at least that person isn't going to call you a nigga on national TV and say you live in a shithole country and to say you ain't got nothing to use to lose because you're uneducated because you're black. How dare anybody tell me or let me hear them say that they're going to vote for Trump because they would rather not have some Bernie Sanders in there. There is nobody walking the earth that thinks that they're God that is that's as bad as Donald Trump. Donald Trump said he was the chosen. How dare you play with God? He said he was chosen. He was the Messiah. So I can't hear. I can't function when somebody tell me that there's that they're gonna vote for Donald Trump versus Bernie Sanders. I can't stand Bernie Sanders, but I'll put Bernie Sanders in that White House and vote blue before I put Trump back up in there. And don't encourage the young you. people to vote for Trump and not for Bernie Sanders. Now, I voted for Bernie. Let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask you guys a question. Anybody can take it. I'm just going to throw it out there. If, if, if Bernie Sanders is the standard for the party, I mean, we talk about this all the time. To me, the, mo- the most important votes are the midterms because these are the folks that you can't get out of office. These are the folks who are there forever. Look at Mitch McConnell. Look at these people who have been there. And if this guy is at the head of the ticket, I mean, listen, we were talking about trying to possibly win the Senate. I mean, if this guy is head of the ticket, we could lose the House. I mean, something has to happen. Jay, if people are voting Something has to happen. Somebody has to reach out to these people, these folks, and tell these young people to stop, be realistic about what you're doing. What are you saying about doing on Facebook? Oh my goodness. 
This guy. I mean, I just I don't understand. People never realize how important the midterms are. People would never realize how important the midterms are. I was in the barbershop once, and a guy told me, well, we put Obama in office. We're done now. No, you got to get out and vote the midterms, man. The midterms are more important than the presidential election. Believe me. Vote People every don't understand election. that. Because if, 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 if they had enough people in the Senate, this, this clown would have been ousted. So, look, the midterms are, are way more important than the presidential election. It don't matter who's in office. It does not. If you got enough senators and congressmen and office, you can get him out of there. That's just the bottom line. So, well, let me ask you a question, Johnny. Is this a whole bunch of do about nothing? Because Jerome brought up an excellent point during the last segment. I mean, you know, we're talking what three percent. I mean, come on, are we? Are we? You know, well, I'm not going to say we. I'm going to say me. Am I panicking to the fact that hey, you know, this, you know, this is something that may not even happen. You know what, Jay? First, let, let let me say that that that's a passionate sister this morning, and she is fired up and ready to go. And I I I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And and, and I don't think that that that, in that Vegas. Vanessa. Hey, she she enjoyed the life definitely. And and and, and quite honestly, uh, like I say, I, I think that um, even Kavina man. He has a point, and certainly, you know, everybody has a right to express, uh, you know, their their concerns about this process. Uh, I, for one, will support anyone that that opposes that that criminal that's in Washington. So it doesn't matter if it's my next door neighbor. I'm going I'm going to support them because uh, I think that they will ethically and morally and spiritually do a better job. Than this devil that we have in, in in Washington at this point in time, but as far as the numbers at this point, as I said earlier, and as Jerome confirmed, and you know, with him being in that political perspective, this is the same thing that that Bernie Sanders did last year, you know. And, and what I hope is that at some point, at some point in the early spring or late spring, that whomever emerges. That everyone puts their support behind them, and and unlike Bernie Sanders in 2016, don't try to fight the candidate to the end in your desperation to be the president. So uh, now, now I tell you what, now I've I've got three fired up pit bulls in here. You know, I'm I'm taking one of my my, my, my daughters to work, and and the other two when they heard that 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 four minutes or less, and they heard how Bernie Sanders. Had attacked Barack Obama, but they're, they're a little warm this morning. I may have to stop and get them some ice cream because they they're a little hot about that. <laughs> hey, good 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 dialogue. And, and you know what, Jay? I, you know the, the thing is, I, I I spend part of my week and I listen to Karen Hunter and Joe Madison and um, uh, the Williams guy, and, and just just different urban urban stations and points of view. And, and I'm gonna tell you, man, uh, this, this show and you. Need a bigger platform, you and Les, uh, because the reality of it is, when I listen to the expertise of of, of what Jerome brings and, and the passion from from Miss Vanessa and the expertise uh, from you and and Les and, and like I say, 
having an opportunity to have some 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 novices like myself and Kavina and, and the pastors comment. You know, that's really what what's needed. Uh, those scripted shows, although they have value, you know, this is where people can really hear a raw point of view. And I think that with, with Miss Vanessa, that's what you heard. You heard just raw passion. And, man, that's a beautiful thing because, one, it's the truth. In a world where we listen to lies every single day in this political spectrum, at least somebody has the gall enough to say what they got to say and stand behind it. And I just think that that's what America values is built on. And thank God for it. I agree with you. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. I mean, I said one two seven two. That is the number, right? Three four seven one. Yeah, okay. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. <laughs> oh, so, man, it's a beautiful Sunday morning. It's uh, 10 minutes before the top of the hour. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio. It's best. Uh, Jerome, um, the one thing that I can always count on with you is that you, you kind of talk us down. You kind of bring reality back into the equation. And, you know, so, uh, you know, you got that calm, cool thing saying, hey, we good. Don't worry about it. Three percent is only voted. We're fine. We're going to find out at the end of the day that it's going to be all good in the neighborhood. But, you know, here's my question for you. What does do you agree with how Joe Biden is going about handling this business? If you were his campaign manager, would you change what he's doing? I mean, would you what advice would you give the former vice president, man? Um. Okay. Okay. So here's what I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I'm going to tell him on the radio, and I'm not going to tell you what I would tell him if I was talking to him personally. Right? I'll do that. Ouch. Okay. Um, I thought we were cool with that, but okay, go ahead. No. Well, think about it. I, I probably do have access to Joe Biden's people, right? Just just to say that for the record, that I'm a strategist. People pay me to do this stuff for a living, so I could oh, got it. kind of just throw throw strategy out there. But the thing that as an as a consumer, like as I'm watching this from a distance, I I think your strategy was is good up front. There's things that Joe Biden needs to change. And one of the things that I think he needs to change is he needs to stop saying that he has good support in the black community. Because what black people do generally, we don't like anybody who takes us for granted. But but I can understand his I can understand his frustration in white folks saying that oh black people don't like you as much. I can understand that. Like you ran that statistic off earlier. You know, the statistical dead heat, the enthusiasm is sixty nine percent for him and sixty five percent for um Sanders. That's a misnomer. I don't even know why they're putting that out there because when you put it out there, it sounds like the support is the same. Enthusiasm and support are two different things. So when you keep repeating that, it sounds like black people are split on Sanders and, and Biden. So you have to go about running a campaign to to pierce through all that nonsense where they're trying to make it a horse race. I think that's what TV news and media is. They want it to be a horse race because it helps their ratings. Right. You know what you said you there? Hey, man, check this out. You said this. I'm going to give you credit real quick before you go any further because you said this when we were talking about that Obama or Romney thing. You were saying that, hey, everybody's trying to push it, and you know what? He ended up getting blown out. So kudos to you. You did say that back in 2012. Go ahead, sir. I just want to make sure you got yeah. kudos for that. No, I mean, it's a, it's a thing that. Oh, matter of fact, I will tell you what I would tell Biden. So if, if, you, if you ever see him do this, here's what I would tell him. I, I think that as a profile, what Biden needs to start doing 
right now, and I know Dr. Joe Biden is out there with him a lot, but I would run them like they were running as um, president and first lady. Because I guarantee you this, no other campaign will give you the image of a first lady and a president like that. So if you want to see somebody be president, you need to start giving people the impression of him being president because Bougez is not going to run his the, the other guy up against Joe Biden. No. Uh, Bernie Sanders' wife no. doesn't have the stature. She's not she's not Jackie Onassis. You don't have anybody. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, born. They don't have the spouses that are as regal as the Biden. And I would actually, I would actually start to run more advertisement to show that those guys are in contrast to the hooker and the uh, the guy at the White House. <laughs> That's my thing. I would say the contrast. <laughs> did he say the whole song? You know, you don't walk on everybody this morning, Vanessa. Go ahead. Hey, Thank you. you know, let me tell you this about um, Vanessa. Vanessa is to my ana- to my analytical side. She's the passion to that because Vanessa's absolutely <laughs> right about waking people up, right? My thing is, I don't care who's woke or not. I fig- I try to figure out ways to win, whether you're woke or not. But Vanessa from shaking the shaking the trees, like you know um, Johnny said, and LES and posting. I did post something out um, that was yep. like a personal to the race um, this week because one of the this uh, a friend of mine who is one of the. Um, for, for like eight years in a row, she was the number one female writer in the country. So she's a friend of mine. She's Asian. So she, she um, would always ask me political questions. So she did, and I was responding on her page, and I said, I will not do this on your page. I'll put it on mine. So she responded to me because, uh, or she responded to that because she wanted to know my opinion because she said that you give me a, a better perspective in a bigger picture where I use a lot of passion inside of how she sees um, these issues and perspectives. And one of the things I realized from keeping quiet so much, for me, it sounds like I'm talking a lot, but one of the things I realized from keeping quiet is that you do need perspective. And Vanessa, even doing that, is trying to slap people awake where I am saying, I'll give Vanessa the numbers to slap them with. Right, because there's reasons why we're saying what we're saying, because we're both saying the same thing. But for people being deceived, I can't stand it. Because young people, if you're about 23 years of age or so, and you just started voting, you didn't really get the crust of what life was like before Obama. You don't know. So I can see why it's like Bernie Sanders could be like blah blah blah. You live, Joe. You live 10 years, well, basically off the economy of Obama for the last 10 years. So you think, oh, well, we should do something different. You don't know what the world looked like before that man took office. And so the young people are delusional about what they're seeing. So just like Johnny D said about his daughter, when they hear that stuff about Sanders, when they hear that stuff about Bloomberg, when they find out Elizabeth Warren was a Republican and she is kind of shaky on some things as well, Buttigieg done, I don't think he likes black folks. I think as you start to see that, and it pans out a little bit more with a little bit more marketing, it is going to turn out to be a totally different thing. And I, w- I would hate to wake up the next day after with black folks doing like that woman did in Iowa. Um, I didn't know he had a husband. Can I have my vote back? <laughs> like, you don't want to do that. Again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you're so you're I, absolutely I'm correct about that. that. Mm-hmm. 
No, no, I, I agree with you, uh, Jerome. I think so. I mean, when when people wake up and, and smell the coffee, I, I think it's going to be a whole different scenario. And and I think we have to let these people know what's happening. I mean, this is just unreal. And speaking of which, Johnny, I want your daughter to get really upset. Let me read another portion of this article here. Uh, it says the low point between the two men was in 2013. During a 2013 meeting with other Democratic senators, Obama had just put in. Let me see. I can't really see. Obama had just put a chain consumer price index in his budget, a proposal that would cut Social Security benefits by tying them to the rate of inflation. Many senator Democrats, many Senate Democrats were angry about it, but when they arrived for the meeting, it was Sanders who bubbled up, ripping it to Obama for giving in to the Republicans and not understanding the impact of the cuts. Obama told him, he says, look, I don't need a lecture. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because people who were in the room were saying, here we are, this guy that was calm, cool, and elective versus a guy who is, you know, just absolutely ridiculous when it comes to his worldview on things and is not willing to accept anyone else's opinion except his. And that's what we're dealing with. And you young people want to put this guy in the White House. Boy, good luck to that. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Mr. Elias, let me get your thought on this real quick, brother, before we go to uh, – to uh, before we go to the to uh, our uh, after the break question for this this week, my thought on what Jay? Uh, it was a lot of questions posed. What, what's your what my thought on what? Just give me your final thought, just or whatever you want to talk about there, brother. Well, you know something, man. Like I said earlier, man, we need to pull together as Democrats, man. Look, I, I'm like Vanessa. Any, I, I don't care who I'm voting blue, you know. And and if you want to vote for Donald Trump, God bless you, man. You know, this this guy, I, I don't understand my union brother's day. This guy is trying to demolish unions. He's signing, he's signing stuff into, to, he's signing executive orders into place to demolish unions, to collective bargaining, so you, so you can't even have collective bargaining agreements. But yet, and still, these clowns still vote for him. Look, if you, if, if that's what you want to vote for, God bless you, but me, I, I like to vote for the uh, vote for what I'm voting for, and I'm going to keep what I'm going to keep. Bottom line. That is the man. That's the man. All right, it's time for this week's edition of After the Break. After the Break is when I ask our panelists a question that I want them to think about during the break, and uh, then be prepared to answer it after the break. To get 90 seconds after the break, which they will be timed. And I want to get their comments, and we'll go from there. So it was so much people, so many people loved it, so we're going to do it every week. So this week's question is, I don't know if Vanessa is going to be able to participate in this, but it's more along the sports, it's along the sports arena. You know, the Houston Astros uh, cheated to win the 2017 World <laughs> Series. And when I tell you that people were like, uh, okay, bottom line is, is that most most, most uh, players that were, not players, but people that were associated with the Houston Astros, for example, they fired the general manager, they fired the manager of the team. Other coaches who went on to get managerial jobs with other teams, they were also either fired or resigned. And But nothing really happened to the players. And so here's this week's question to the folks, and this is this that. week's question too, after the break. Okay, well, after the break, you get a chance to answer this. What you think about? Should the Houston Astros be stripped? of the World Series title. Because now you have other players. You have LeBron James even weighing in on it. And folks are getting pissed off at the fact nothing has happened. So that's this week's question. 
for after the break. We'll get the responses after the break. You listen to the serious side. We'll be right back after this. It's a time to reflect on the historic accomplishments of African Americans. Now, many of us know the names like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, Malcolm X, Harriet Tubman. Uh, but there are also many other people with stories that you won't read about in an elementary school history book. That's why this month I'm going to share stories about African Americans whose names we should all know. Today I want to tell you about Claudette Coleman, who as a 15-year-old girl created her own place in history on March 2nd, 1955, nine months before Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat. Claudette was ordered by a bus driver to move to the back of the bus. But she stood her ground and refused. Claudette was arrested and thrown in jail. When asked why she didn't give up her seat, Claudette said, it felt as though Harriet Tubman's hands were pushing me down on one shoulder and Sojourner Truth's hands was pushing me down on the other shoulder. Now, you may wonder why Claudette didn't get the recognition for her courage. Well, it's been said that several black organizations at the time felt Rosa Parks made a better icon for the movement than a teenager. But today, we're giving Claudette Colvin the recognition she deserves for her role in the fight to end segregation. To Claudette, we say thank you. That's our show for today, everybody. If you'd like to see some behind-the-scenes moments from today's show, follow the conversation.
serious side. If you are just joining us, here's what you have missed so far. So excited that Verde won Nevada. Um, this just shows that we are moving forward. There's a momentum in the city that is pushing us forward, and that's where we need to be. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. From the very first minutes of his debate debut, Michael Bloomberg under blistering attack. The idea that he's making the case that he and Barack are really close buddies when he didn't support us, he didn't, and, or that, uh, you know, I mean, what comes out with, with Bernie is, I was just saying to another reporter, I didn't realize that until an Atlantic article, article came out, that I knew he talked about someone should primary Barack for the second term because he didn't like he thought Barack wasn't like a socialist enough or uh, I think to listen to Bernie Sanders you believe that he was a county commissioner somewhere. Uh, what he is repeatedly saying is is that uh, he would have been better in than President Obama in a variety of circumstances. He said race relations would have been better. He's been dismissive and disrespectful. Uh, he also said that the president had a leadership gap. He said that the president was weak. And in 2011, uh, when President Obama was preparing for re-election, he, he said that he should be primaried. So his comments last night, which I happen to believe are incorrect, are consistent with his dismissive and disrespectful attitude towards President Obama. In the past, he's called him weak. He's called him a disappointment. The kind of criticism that we've heard from Senator Sanders about our president, I expect from Republicans. I do not expect from someone running for the Democratic nomination to succeed President that Obama. That is, Madam Secretary, that is a low blow. I have worked with President Obama 
for the last seven years. But you know what? Last I heard, we lived in a democratic society. Last I heard, a United States senator had the right to disagree with the president. Welcome back in 347-850-1272 is a call at number 347-850-1272. Welcome back to the serious side of the J. Rob Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio the best. Let me bring in our folks, our peeps. What is going on? Let's say good morning to the peeps. Let's say good morning to uh, the queen of the serious side, the one and only Miss Vanessa May Belly from the Macanelli. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Good morning, everybody. Uh, Jay, and you where are you saying good morning from, day? Vanessa? From where? Home. From my house. Whatever. Yeah, it is home. <laughs> <laughs> home. You're right. I'm in Las Vegas. I'm in Las Vegas. That's right. You're home. One of many homes you have worldwide. Thank you, <laughs> Vanessa. Let's say good morning to the brother. <laughs> say good morning to my little brother, the one and only Johnny D. In the place to be good morning, John. How are you doing, sir? Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I like the way he did it. Good morning. And uh, the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree, man. What's going on, Jerome? How you doing? Man, I'm good. How you doing? I'm <laughs> doing fine, Jerome. And the man that gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you doing on this beautiful morning? Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. All right, Mr. Elliott, can we say hello to some Jay. people in the chat room if that's okay? I'm, yes, Vanessa. Jay, Jay, yes. Jay, my hand is up. My hand is up. Jay, see it. Before you move, and I don't want to forget my thoughts, can I please comment on your black history? Before the, This is the last one for the year. Can I please comment on it? Uh, let's hello? say hello to everybody. Then, yeah, you can comment on it right after we say hello I to the people. I just don't want to forget that? what it was about, but go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, we'll do it as soon as we say hello to some folks. All right, Mr. Elias, man, can we say hello to, hello to some people if you don't mind? Yeah, we got uh, Colvina, man, and then we, we got, of course, we had the two races in there, Easy and uh, Boba Bright. <laughs> I want to say what's up to what the preacher. I also want to say what's going on to uh, Mariana Music. Mariana Music says she sent me some pictures to her new spread. All right, I'm going to get it out and send it out to the peeps. Thank you. Uh, I'll check my email during the next break. Also, what's up to uh, Nolan Jessica Clark? She sent, actually, she sent a message during the week and she wanted me to read it today, and I will. Uh, Jesse. Uh, Fabian, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Darius, and a whole bunch of other folks. All right, Vanessa, before we get into uh, after the break, let's uh, go ahead and comment on our black history moment for the for today. The last black history comment for 2020, Jay just was talking about the bus. And I just want to give uh, people a little history that uh, when Rosa Parks' body was taken to the Rotunda, um, her body was carried by Southwest Airlines and their first two black pilots that were hired with the company, they, they were given the honor to take that body to the Rotunda. And I just happened to be going through Washington, uh, D.C., because I had to live there a year when I first started flying, and I actually got a picture with her casket being taken off of the airplane and being put into the hearse to go and take it to the rotunda 
uh, and Southwest also hired an all-black crew to do it, and they were very, very senior flight attendants, but they were the very first black pilots that Southwest Airlines hired, and then Essence came back and did a full spread on Southwest Airlines and the pilots and how they were chosen, but for me, I just think it was an honor. The picture is in that room that's hidden behind the mirrors, Jay, where I was able to stand in front of the glass and take a picture with Rosa Parks' um, casket, and I was able to take a picture with the crew that took her body to the rotunda because it is not every day that a black woman's body gets to sit in the rotunda. Thank you for allowing me to say that, Jay. Oh, thank you for giving us that bit of history. That's good to know. Never knew that. That's good stuff. Always want to get the inside story, especially when a, a profound moment in history like that happened. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for bringing that to our attention. Before the break, now it's time for our response to after the break. Before the break, I asked our panelists about the Houston Astros and asked if the Houston Astros should retain their World Series title. Let me start with you, Vanessa. What do you think? You think that the Houston Astros should give it up, even though we're from Houston and we're here, here in Houston? What do you think? You know what, Jay? I think that when they got the money together, they were cheering. When they got the ring together, they were cheering. When they got the prestige, they were cheering. Well, you know what? Even though everybody didn't have anything to do with it, if one go down, they all should go down. I think they should take the title. Wow, look at that. I think that's a Houstonian fan. Rip it from him. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. There you I, go. All right. What about you, Johnny? You know, one for, one, huh? one for all. <laughs> I hear you. Okay. What about you, Johnny? You think they should take that title from the Houston Astros? Well, there is a, a precedent. Uh, you know, one, one, one thing that I like about after the break is it gives you a chance to get, a, get, get informed. So, uh, I, I was aware of Marion Jones and Reggie Bush, and so I pulled it up and I saw was there a precedent set, and there has been at least one professional sports team, although soccer team, uh, out of the United States. But when you look at professional uh, athletic teams in the continental United States, there is no precedent. There's been some some uh, football programs, D1 programs. So to answer the question. I will say that the tarnishment of the Houston Astros and this championship has come in the managerial positions, the players, certainly there's going to be some that's going to suffer the effects, but the cheapness team and American sports is the New England Patriots. So if they decided mm-hmm. they weren't going to take their championship, then I would say not to um, revoke the Houston Astros championship. Wow. Okay. What about you? Uh, <laughs> what about you, Jerome and Rome? What do you think, man? You think they should rip that title from them, man? I have no opinion, and I'm going to have no comment on that. I don't know. All right. There you go. That was quick. I don't, yeah. All right. What, what about <laughs> yeah, you? What about you, Miss Elias? <laughs> what do you think, man? You think they should take that title from the uh, from the Houston Astros? By all means, I think they should. I mean, what what I, I'm like like Vanessa said, what kind of precedence does that set to sit there and say uh, it's okay to cheat to win? Because that I mean, that's what's happening with the uh, the New England Patriots when they found out they deflated footballs and they were stealing yep. signals from other teams. I mean, if if a college team did that same thing. Would they would would they if, and they were caught cheating? What do they have? They stripped them away for how many years? They stripped their scholarships away and everything else. So yeah, they should 
they should strip it away from them. I agree wholeheartedly. Take the take the championship away. You got to win fair, and, and and anything we say, you got to win fair and square. You got to win fair and square. That's it. Wow. Well, well, we have time. I could go ahead and get my comment on that. I, you know, the thing is, I, I'm not really sure if they should take the title, but I do think that something should happen to the players because the players have come out unscathed. Nothing has happened to any of the players who were involved in this, and the fact that you know. They they are they're trying to respond to it, but you know, look, man. The bottom line is they cheated straight up. You know, look, I like the Astros, but they cheated. And so, if you're not going to take, I think it's unprecedented to do that. But even though you go back and look at college, and there have been, well, they haven't really took a championship. Have they? I think they've taken Heisman trophies from folks, but I don't know if they stripped no, anybody USC, from a championship. You, you, no, USC, USC got there. There, when Reggie Bush gave up his Heisman trophy. And, and I remember, like I said, Reggie Bush and Marion Jones are the two that I, I remember as well as yeah, you. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, you know, they, well, they, think they, about they, the Fab they Five. They took the Muhammad Ali's title. Uh, well, you know, they never won a championship. Yeah, they never won a championship, they took away some what about the Fab Five. Because they never won a championship, there was nothing to take what about? away. What about oh, the, the UNLV? Somebody, I thought they took somebody's title. What about the White Sox? No, no. They didn't. Okay. Now you Sox. know what? what Chris, the... They didn't even do that. I mean, when, when, when I looked at it, it's, it's ten sports teams, and all of them wasn't teams. Like I said, they had Marion Jones listed, and and I had forgot about Ben Johnson back in the '88 uh, Olympics. You know, they, mm-hmm. they they took his Olympic medals. And there was no mention of any major sports team except for USC. And, and I remember yeah. when Reggie Bush gave up the Heisman Trophy, and that was the 2004 team that was coached by Pete Carroll. And I remember them taking a championship. Oh, wow. Okay, there it is. All right, all right, folks, that concludes this week's, uh, this week's edition of After the Break. Every week we'll do a question and get some responses on the other side. 347 This closes segment out by, you know, once again, we talked about Bernie Sanders being one of those guys who was really not an Obama fan. Here's, I guess I'm going to change the question up a little bit, and let me start with you, Jerome, on this. If President Obama stepped up, and said, look, I need to step out here and get involved. Do you think he'd be wrong for stepping up and saying, let me get in here because, you know, I don't like the way the winds are changing here, and, you know, we really and truly need to have a unified party. Look what Kavina Man said two segments ago, the fact that he's out. I'm pretty sure he's not the only one thinking along those lines, and I know President Obama is smart enough and has people around him smart enough to know that, hey, you know what, this could really fracture the party. And like we talked about, you know, think about what it would do to the House if we have Elizabeth Warren or, or uh, Bernie Sanders that's at the, at the top of the ticket. Do you, if President Obama came out and said something, man, do you think he'd be wrong for that? Or do you think he should just stay in his place and be quiet? No, of course not. I don't think he'll be wrong for it. I mean, but... You don't think he'd be wrong if he came out and said anything? You don't think he... Really? No, that was just decision I, I, to begin with. That was his decision. Hmm. So now how can you say him that he's wrong for changing his decision? It was his decision to be made. Nobody told him to stay out of it. He should have spoke. He should have said, I like this candidate or I like that candidate or I like their policies, and that policy will be hard to work out. Like he should have, he should have said something. So 
that's his choice to be on the sidelines. And he chose to do that. Is it a precedent, though, Jerome, for a president to – I mean, I'm trying to think now that you say this. I mean, has the president come out in the primary and, and back somebody, or did they wait till they had a nominee? I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Can you? They came out um, before the before a nominee was selected. Um, not, not no, because it really doesn't happen on the Republican side. So we're only talking about Carter and and Clinton, really in modern okay. time. Republicans don't do that, we, but we shouldn't impose that as a standard. So I think they've done it before, like they've supported people without doing an official endorsement. Because the reason the presidents wait for the actual races to support them is because they want to unify the party. So they try not to fragment the party in the middle of primaries. So a president won't go into a primary, especially with that many people. They wait for it to whittle down a little bit, and then they support one way or another. But that, that's not smart. Like you need you need to hold off on your endorsements, for example. So if if um, you know, as Bloomberg is buying all of his endorsements, you look at that and you're like, why does he seem so desperate? It's because he is desperate. That's why he's rolling on endorsements. He's trying to give you an impression. Whereas normally, you would run a race and you would save your endorsements until later, just to show that the party is coming together. So you hold endorsements. I'm sorry, that's that's inside baseball to everybody. But the truth the truth is, is that he should probably. <laughs> You know, seriously, I mean, he, he should probably, um, you know, do whatever he feels is necessary. I don't think it's necessary. I think that people are smarter. I think Steyer is right, th- saying that black people are kind of the backbone of this piece, and we're very rarely rattled, even though young black people are voting for for um, Sanders. I think what happens is that black people have elders, and as it gets closer and closer, people like Vanessa will start to kick in on her kids, and you know, Johnny D. Well, his daughters will start to hear him a little closer by them by us saying, us standing up, saying, "Look, I know, I know what y'all want, but here's what's best for for everybody." I think that's going to kick in. So I think everybody's going to have to stand up at some point. But again, we're really, really early in the process. Yeah, but you're hearing people now, Miss Elliott, saying that you know what that you know. And you listen to Trump. You know, I, I heard him this morning. Oh, congratulations to Bernie Sanders. I hope they don't steal it from him like they did in 2016. That, that should tell you, you know, everything I, you want to know. Exactly. So, so, so. But I'm hearing people. I'm already hearing the chatter, Miss Elliott. So how people saying that if, you know if the Democrat Party steals this from Bernie Sanders. Then you know it's going to be fragmented. I mean, is it a situation with still answer the question? Then I want to go back to. Uh, I want to give everybody an opportunity, but I want to, I got to ask Jerome a question because I know he knows the answer to this. But I'm going to ask after everybody has an opportunity to weigh in on this. Go ahead, Mister Elias, man. Do you, what do you think, man? Well, uh, bottom line is, um, you know, Russia has sent out their initiative for Bernie Sanders. That's who they want oh, yeah. to win their Democratic nomination. So let, let, let's just call it what it is. And Trump is just following what Putin told him to say. Congratulations to, you know, Bernie Sanders. So he's, he's following in line with, with what his leader's telling him to do. So, you know, those are dying. I love it. I love it. I love it. Go ahead, Johnny. Weigh in on it for me, sir. You know, I think and, and, and have always felt real compelled to support those individuals who I've had up under my tutelage. Uh, and, and that's the loyalty that they show me and the loyalty that I return. So 
I think that President Obama is a wise man, and certainly he will govern himself accordingly as far as when and how he comes out. But if it was me, I would have certainly went first and foremost as hard as I could in support of Joe Biden if he was my companion for eight years running this country. There wouldn't be a reason for me, pale, to keep the political process the way that it is, and I would have already come out. But I do like, and hadn't envisioned it, but then again, I don't have those skill sets that Jerome has. But that envisionment of Joe Biden and his wife is compelling from the standpoint that that's believable. You understand what I'm saying? And and it would take an expert in that field to come up with that with that vision. But he's gonna have to do something real soon. And even though we're early in the process, I look back at his 1988 bid for president, and it was plagued with plagiarism and mistruths. And then I looked at 04 and 08. And the thing that we got to understand is that Joe Biden was always able to draw the Midwestern Caucasian person who is supportive of the union. Now, if he can't draw them, you wonder what the American census is saying. Is it the fact that he that the media is simply overplaying and overstating? the support that the African-American community is going to give him, and is that drawing back the support of the white voters? Because he's never had a problem drawing the, the working class Caucasian people. So what's happening this year, that's the story that needs to unfold, and that's the story that's need to be told. And I think that to, to answer the question, Jay, the Obama factor may be cause and effect of that. The media itself, how he's continuously saying that, that, that he's waiting on these African-American urban areas before he starts to rise. Well, at some point, maybe, maybe those who would have typically supported him in the past feels compelled to compete against that and say, OK, well, who's trying to do something for us? So it's a lot of questions that come with that. But yes, if I'm President Obama, I would have already come out with Joe Biden. And then secondly, I just absolutely love the picture of Joe Biden, his wife, because they are, they name recognition. I mean, people recognize them because they've been out in front for so long and they do have a story to tell. And I think that as soon as people can see them in a presidential manner, that was solidified for most persons. And then the fact that he has... He has not proven himself to be able to draw those that he was able to draw in the past is is a question to me as to why now the rejection of and the support of, of, of Joe Biden. So it's a lot that, that I'm that I'm considering, a lot that I've got to research. But uh, that image that, that Jerome put out, man, I tell you, I I can envision it. I can see it and I can believe in it more than anything. Well said. What about you, Vanessa? Uh, I think I'm trying to remember what the question was. Was it uh, what should Obama do? Is that what the question was? Jay? I mean, yeah. I mean, would he? I mean, would he be wrong? Yeah. Would he? I mean, would he be wrong 
to come out and say something. And, you know, I can't think. I was thinking about, you know, Carrie. Did anybody come out and endorse Carrie? But then again, Carrie was going against Bush. I'm just trying to think of a situation where uh, a former y'all president has come out. That, have y'all ever thought about the what? fact that maybe he don't like any of the people? That's running, and that's the reason why he ain't came out for nobody. Well, his boy is gone. You know, he really wanted Deval Patrick to to run earlier, and so since he's out the race, I mean, that's a good, that's a strong possibility, Vanessa. I might not like nobody that's up there and say, you know what, let the people decide because I don't like none of them and I don't want to endorse any of them. And though Joe Biden has been with him and he trusted him and he didn't feel that he was a, a racist, but that was at that point in time. Right now, he might not feel that Biden can go up against Trump. We don't know what, you know what, if Obama was going to say something, he should have said it a long time ago because I think it's past him now. It's way out of control to me now. But maybe he just don't like any of the people that's running. That's all I can say about that. Well, here's my question for Jerome. Her name is Dr. Jill Biden, not Corn Queen. I'm sorry, did I say that on a Sunday morning? Okay, let me take the back. Yeah, you need to go pray. Did you hear what I said? You can't find too many churches where you at in the city of San. Anyway, all right. Yeah. <laughs> what you say? What you say, Jerome? I said I didn't hear exactly what she said about Jill Biden. I said her name you... is Dr. Jill Biden, and she's not a porn queen. Oh, <laughs> oh my bad. Okay, I probably just had to re- repeat that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have. But thank you, Jerome. All right, here's my question for you, man. Before we and we're gonna close out the set. How exactly does this work? Let's say they get to the convention, man, and and they do not have the amount of delegates required to win the nomination outright. How does that process work? I mean, how would they go about Or let's say they get there and they decide that, look, you know, the bottom line is we don't want this guy or gal to be the leader, so we're going to do something. How would that work? How does it work, man, when it, when it gets to the convention? Oh, the, the convention is a kind of a negotiated back deal thing, right? So you have your delegates, and then you have superdelegates on the, on the Democratic side. So if the superdelegates okay. As they go, even if they supported Bernie Sanders or whomever during that time, mm-hmm. uh, if the tides change later, those superdelegates can choose whoever they want to. They're not obligated one way or another. So the establishment usually holds out. That's what Bernie kept saying they're cheating because you don't control the superdelegates, right? You control – I mean, you can run and get to a certain point, but you really need to convince the Democratic apparatus that you can win as well. Or the superdelegates can actually choose someplace else. That's why, that's why um, Joe Biden is kind of declaring himself like, you know, saying I'm back because even at a second place run in Nevada, he was expected to lose Nevada. Bernie had money and people in the caucuses for Iowa and Nevada. They were heavy on the ground. But long as he stays high enough that he's getting um, money and support, he knows by the time you get to the superdelegate stuff, that can throw you over the top easy. So Bernie Sanders is, was not never a lock. Matter of fact, he's not even far enough in the process to be that one way or another. But in, in to um, Johnny D's point, you're right that the the Bidens actually need a strategist. Like that's what they're that's what they need. Their issue is is not that, that they're not playing that in a they're not playing their hand as well as they should. So even though I said what I said earlier, I guarantee you nobody in their campaign is thinking that. But it, it will serve them well 
and I know that it served them well. And you know, you know, you just said that you think it was serving well because you can see that image. You, they pay people to come in to do that kind of stuff to let them see their blind spots. And you cannot work inside of a campaign it, it, and um, see external. Like so, what I tell political science students all the time is that if you're working with a candidate, do not stand next to them because you can't see how the room is reacting to them. And Biden needs somebody to see how the room is reacting. You can't have cheerleaders around you. You really have to see that stuff from a distance. So, you know, it, it's not playing well right now, but with the superdelegate stuff and how that works on the Democratic side, if they go get to a point, even where they're neck and neck, then and it's a broker convention, that just means that they have to actually start making phone calls and get delegates. It's like you do in a, in a, a race for mayor. You just go find the war chairs and try to get those guys to lobby on your behalf or go get the people who are in the neighborhoods to lobby for you. So that's all it is. It's the same process. It just seems hokey. It's like it's not a true democracy where you're just saying one man, one vote. You actually have to still appeal to um, the superdelegates as you go. So they, they'll read tea leaves too because although the young people are supporting Bernie, they did the graphics of what – the young people, the people who like Medicare for all, the um, mm. folks that were under, what, 20, 21 to 23 or something. And um, those are the demographics. Those are the demographics they expect them to win. And they will come out early for a caucus. The people who come out in general elections are people who normally vote, and those people are not supporting um, Sanders. So the superdelegates would have to make up their mind. They're like, hey, do we just need to get the young people back in the process? and forsake the people like Kavina man who's going to be out and me for for example I'm I'm an independent so I'm not even a democrat so when Kavina said that he's opting out of that party that doesn't mean he's gone that doesn't mean he's not smart that just means that we find no value inside of the party because it does what it does so you know the superdelegates are going to play a big role especially in this one if um Klobuchar and all those guys don't drop out soon enough because that'll hinder well, money well, going to someone else. Well, well said. All right, we'll be right back after this. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange is scheduled to be in a London courtroom tomorrow. The court is set to begin hearings on whether Assange should be extradited to the United States. He's wanted on 18 criminal counts of conspiring to hack government computers and violating an espionage law. Assange argues he acted as a journalist when he released secret files on the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and is entitled to First Amendment protection. Hundreds of Assange's supporters took to the streets of London yesterday, demanding that the British government refuse extradition. Meanwhile, in Afghanistan, Afghan President Ashraf Ghani is planning to be sworn in for a second term in the next few days, even as his main challenger says his re-election is invalid. Jennifer Glass reports from Kabul. The presidential spokesman says Ghani's inauguration will be this week. It would end the national unity government Ghani has been leading alongside Abdullah Abdullah, his main challenger in the 2014 election. But Abdullah says last September's presidential poll was corrupt and has declared himself the winner, even though the election commission gave him 39.5% of the vote to Ghani's 50.64%. Abdullah's supporters have replaced one northern provincial governor and another has pledged his support to Abdullah, not Ghani and the current government. The political crisis comes as the U.S. and the Taliban are poised to sign an agreement on Saturday that would lead to intra-Afghan talks. 
turmoil could make it difficult to form a unified Afghan committee for those talks. For NPR News, I'm Jennifer Glass in Congress. And I'm Giles Snyder in Washington. Folks, it's time for Chatterbox. Final thoughts from the world famous chat room and from social media. And so, Mr. Elias, man, is there are they still on punishment, or is there anything you can read from the <laughs> chat room this morning? Um, uh, Covina man says it's time for another Ross Perot type guy. And uh, easy what? said I can count on. Uh, you know, it, it, it is just. Uh, no, I ain't nothing else for me. Whatever. I'm done. Yep. Okay. There I'm is. done. All right, I'm so the pastor's that. checked in as usual. Okay, thanks. Pastor's checked in. He says, to the queen of her court, as usual, what a great show. People need to tell others about this outstanding show. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it. Mary, your music checks in. She said, Mr. L.S., I am waiting. What does that mean? Oh. Okay. Okay. I will. You know what it is. Mary, the music, I'll take care of it. Yeah, the music, the music, the music, the music. Oh, oh, you got it, got it. All right, all right. So Jessica Clark, Baltimore, Maryland. She sent this actually during the week, and she wanted me to read this. And so she says, "I love, love, love Johnny D's input on the show. However, I heard him insinuate that speaking to injustices is not as important as acting on injustices. I disagree. I think." That I think it's just as important to bring injustices to light by informing the public of the issues. Both play an important role. I have learned so much over the years by listening to this show. I agree that people need to be about it, not just talk about it, but both play an important role. There you go, Jessica. Ready for you. Gina from Queens, New York. I have always been a fan of New York's own Jerome. All right. He speaks truth to power. All right, Gina. All right, good. Uh, Henny from Chicago, Illinois. Big shouts out to my coworker Pam for, tu- for tuning for turning me on to this show. I like what I've heard so far. It's fresh, witty, and unconventional and fun. Great job. Well, thank you very, 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 very much. And without any further ado, you know what time it is. My the first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. It is time for me and Mr. Elias' favorite part of the show. On a need-to-know basis with our main man, Mr. Jerome Esprit. Man, what is going on? What's on the agenda for this morning, my friend? Okay, now we still are in Black History Month, so... So Black History Month, did you know that Alfred King, who was the youngest brother of MLK, he was found dead at the bottom of his family's swimming pool only 15 months after MLK's assassination. Now, again, his mother was assassinated. Wow. Yeah. Brother Alfred. His mother was assassinated too, wasn't it? Yeah. I I, I knew about his mom. Yep. So now this is how this goes. Now there were so many things going on at the time of his death that every everything seemed to overshadow it. So on the day his body was on the way to the morgue, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were walking on the moon. So the world seemed to forget about Dr. King's son, youngest son, youngest brother, um, because it happened on the moon um, walk day, whatever day that was. Interesting enough. Wow. Now. Also, did you know that Gladys West invented GPS? 
she is being honored, um, mm-hmm. I think this week, by the U.S. Air Force at the Pentagon because she invented the GPS. Also, you know, Dr. Ivan Van Sertema, uh, um, if you don't know who he is, he is, uh, get his books all over the place, but he wrote the um, current Egyptians are not natives like the current president is not uh, um, <laughs> a, a native to America. I eventually I wrote this book. They came before Columbus, an African presence from early America. And so just to get some kind of sense of history, Ivan Van Sherman has done a lot of research in these areas. And the, the book that they came before Columbus shows that black people in the Americas before Native Americans were here. So Ivan Van Sherman, want to shout him out because I don't think we ever talk about him and his work. And um, and he's been teaching for years, you know, but that guy is um, somebody we need to look out for. Also, um, you know, the Harlem Herald Fighters, the black infantry unit that spent more time in combat than any American unit in World War I, um, they were integrated into the French military. The U.S. Army would not let any units work with um, um, any foreign um, armies, except the black ones. They like y'all can have them, but black, but U.S. military <laughs> people have to take orders from U.S. military commanders, and they threw the black people away. So the black people who fought wow. on the side, yeah, they fought with Britain. So you know the Harlem Hellfighters were heavily decorated. They fought more than any other unit, right? And Henry Johnson fought off. 30 German troops with a knife. Like, he, he, he would shoot his gun. <laughs> he, he ran out of ammunition. He started beating them with the gun. And then they tried, they tried a night raid. And so he, he was the only one guarding. And they heard the clipping of the barbed wire, he and another guy. And um, the Germans, they didn't know how many Germans he was fighting off because it was night until they saw all of the... There was, like, six dead bodies. <laughs> there were all these... Um, Things that they left behind, and they estimated to up to 30 Germans is who he fought off that night. What? Yeah. Wow. He lived. Yeah. And yeah. The French, a French awarded him, uh, gave him a, a, one of their highest honors, like during that time. And the U.S. wouldn't recognize him until 75 years later. He got no of purple heart, not, man. No government <laughs> uh, assistant insurance for his injuries. And he did, he could not work because of his injuries, and he died in 1929 penniless. And wow. that guy that they honored Welcome the to America. Welcome to America. There yeah. it is. <laughs> there you go. Hey, black history can't be good for everybody, right? They, like, they hate right. hearing this, but it's true, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the, the slave revolt aboard a, a ship called the Creole um, occurred in November 19, 1841 during the U.S. Um, coastlines during the slave trade. It freed 120 slaves aboard the ship and it reached uh, British territory where slavery was outlawed in Nassau and the Bahamas. And it ranks as one of the most successful slave revolts in U.S. history. Um, two people died during the revolt, one slave and one slave trader. But they actually went to court because since they so since they went to um, they were in the Bahamas. I think it was France or it might have been Britain who actually paid the U.S. for their lost cargo. It was, it was thick, but anyhow. 
Right. Wow, that's a move, big God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black History mm-hmm. Month, right? Now, yeah. if y'all don't know, the actress um, Janet Du Bois died in '74. If you don't know what yeah, movie, my times two. What'd you say, Elias? My sorority sister, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Two times in any winter, passed away um, in her sleep. She she was a Zeta, Zeta Phi Beta. And uh, she was known for, for, you know, good times. But she played in a lot of um, a, a lot of um, shows. Wasn't she in, um, what's the the first movie that Keenan Ivory Wayans did? I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Wasn't she in that? Yep, she played his mama. I, I, I thought so. I could, yeah, yeah I, she played his mama. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. She, she, was, she was born in Brooklyn. Um her career started on Broadway. She won two Emmys for her voiceover rec- work on the PJs. That was the cartoon sitcom, Eddie Murphy one. Uh, she was on the yeah, PJs. Who was she on the PJs? Who was she on that? Do you know? Uh, no, it, I can't. I, I'm thinking that she was the the old the old lady with the cane because the, um, okay, okay. the divine played Murphy's wife, and so she must have been the right. neighbor. Yeah. So yeah, and she also started in sitcom The Wayans. So, oh, and if you don't know her from all of that stuff, she did sing the theme of, of the Jefferson. She wrote it, she created it, and she sang it. <laughs> Just don't wow. cry. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going yeah, But we all know, moving on up when we hear Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. So um, she, she passed away. Now, the U.S. World um, Championship soccer team, they want $66 million in back pay as part of their gender discrimination lawsuit. They filed the lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation, revealing in um, the separate collective bargaining agreement of the men's and women's team. So they want $66 million in back pay. We're going to see how that goes. Women's sports Good are never going to get paid the, the thing that men's sports Good do. for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't even get, that, get the argument because, again... I don't get it because the revenue has to be different from the viewership, but I do mm-hmm. get it. They don't want to pay them their money, and they're bringing in the viewers. They need yeah. to give them their money. All right, now, a federal court, court struck down Mississippi's controversial um, fetal heartbeat abortion law, which could ban terminations past six weeks. So a panel of judges in Mississippi temporarily blocked the ban, which passed in 2019. The law would have been one of the most restrictive in the United States. And again, the reason they're suing is so this can go to the Supreme Court and they can try to overturn it. That's the exactly. Uh-huh. Now, also a federal uh, federal judge blocked a Trump administration plan to send 30 to 50 Americans affected with the coronavirus to California. Now, local <laughs> city officials can play. Trump never nasty, man. Wow. Wow. <laughs> They're, they're like, I guess you can't win California if half of them are sick. <laughs> them dudes are sick. So their yeah. administration actually petitioned, and they were going to send them to um, Coastal uh, Mesa. I don't know what that is, what area that is, and neighboring towns. They said that they were unnerved by the news and have protested against the uh, relocation of quarantine patients um, to local facilities, like who were evacuated from um, the Diamond Empress cruise ship in Japan. So, they yeah. Actually, yeah. They want they want to move up to 50 patients to California. 
And they said, um, there's some dirty people, man. <laughs> dirty Look, people. again, they don't give a rat about this country. They don't care about, like, security. All the stuff that they're doing, firing the, the people from the uh, intelligence community, they don't care. Power is power to those fools. And you're going to see, mm-hmm. you, know, you already know what kind of narcissist he is. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a Maryland high school sparked outrage for a lesson that was comparing Donald Trump to the Nazis and communism um, under a message saying that he wanted to round up people and build a giant wall. Now, this is absolutely true that he said that, right? And he's doing that. But Republican lawmakers in Maryland are criticizing a high school's history lesson at um, this Lock Raven High School um, near Baltimore. Which compared hmm. Trump to with the Nazis and Stalin, and I think it's a good comparison. I don't know why they're complaining; yeah, they're letting him do it. Yeah. If they're, if they're letting him do it, why are they complaining that they're making a comparison? Because that's what they did. Right. Yep. Oh, you know. Um, oh, by the way, Bloomberg poured more than four hundred and sixty-three million dollars into his campaign since November, with two hundred and twenty million spent in January alone, alone, according to new reports. Now. He poured $220 billion of his own money, including $126.5 million on TV ads and $45.5 million on online advertising. That's, that's all the Obama ads putting in there. He was like, we yeah. friends. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that's how he should start it off. Obama and I that's friends. That's my guy. That's my dude, man. That's my dude. Hey, you, you, see, you see Biden tried to pull him out of the water by saying you, he opposed. Matter of fact, uh, I think it was Jay who mentioned John Kerry's election when he was running against George W. Bush. You know, mm-hmm. Bloomberg, Bloomberg um, endorsed Bush. Yeah, he was a Republican then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He went for his people. He's, yep, he switched sides, though. Yeah, yeah, he brand new now. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, now for those of you who may be thinking about moving to Utah. You know, the Utah State uh, Senate voted unanimously to decriminalize polygamy amongst consenting adults. Now, you can't force anybody into that, but if they're consenting, <laughs> I, I thought that would be a little Oh, man, man, man. Yeah, the, I'm law, you want. <laughs> the law will remove the threat of jail time for consenting adult poly- uh, polygamists and... Um, it's a step that supporters argue will free people in communities that practice plural marriage to report abuse. So, so you can't say that you're in an abused relationship when you're in an illegal one. So they're saying if you decriminalize it, I'll report him for being abusive. <laughs> okay, maybe that's not a motive to move to Utah, but how about this? From no. Amsterdam. There you go. That's my spot. That's my spot. <laughs> I know I started to say this for last. This is just for Amsterdam news. So Amsterdam will create an erotic center with sex theaters, rooms for prostitutes, and a glass roof so that clients can look at the stars under their plans to clean up their red light district. So their mayor. Oh, wow. Yes, they want to clean it up. So they propose creating a five-story, what they call erotic center, for, um, for a room for um, – a hundred workers, um, cafes, hairdressers to ease pressure on the city's red light district. Oh please! <laughs> that's a please. that's an auto mall if I ever heard one. Like everything, wow. you get a Lexus, you get a Volvo, 
I know, Vanessa's <laughs> angry. Vanessa is a red light district. What'd yes, I have. Yes, plenty of times, Vanessa. Yes, I have. It's women and oh, men sitting in the window like a mall anyway. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. All righty. Thank you, Jerome, for bringing the show <laughs> I, I all the way down to, you know, thank you. Appreciate you, Jerome. Well, thank you. Well, Can you give us one more story, man? Yeah. No, no, I can't, I can't hit that. No. Okay. Uh, McDonald's has just lost a quarter pounder, uh, quarter pounder fan club. It's an offshoot of their official merchandise line. So they're going to have scented candles, six candles, each smelling like a different quarter pounder. Like it's going to have a bun smell, a ketchup, pickle, cheese, onion, and a fresh beef smell. So if you want some candles that smell like fresh beef, McDonald's is probably going to have that. Thank you very much. Good night. And um, tip your weight. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you very much, Jerome, for that. Thank you very much. It's time for our final thoughts. And, of course, ladies, the first around here on the serious side, the one and only Miss Vanessa Maybelli from the McAnelli. Final thoughts. <laughs> Oh, final thought is I am blessed. Yes. I feel good today. I am in Las Vegas for a four-day uh, tournament. I paid my time pass before I left. And so I need Jay Ryle to stop acting like he's an angel on the show because less than I know differently. I love y'all. And oh, wow. don't forget that tomorrow <laughs> is wearing <Wow. laughs> wow. And tomorrow wow. is Kobe and Jesus Day. Yes, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Vanessa May. Thank you for the hate, Vanessa. Thank you so much. Johnny D, uh-huh. man, final thoughts. <laughs> Once again, uh, another great show. Uh, learn, learn some things in regards to black history I didn't know about Dr. King's brother. Uh, so, once again, very informative. Um, Want to send some kudos out to, to the young lady. Um, Jay, and I'm assuming she was speaking on my comment about the, the championship of the Houston Astros, and she she would be right. Uh, my, my my disdain for New England should never uh, compel me to to be satisfied with not taking action. So if that was the cause, then she would be right, and that just goes to confirm that you got some very informed listeners who are are educated on subjects and are spiritually right. Uh, last comment that I want to make is the crisis in Syria. Uh, you've heard me speak on it before. That That is getting worse by the day. Uh, it is estimated that nearly a million persons are considered refugees. And what I can understand, and for the likes, is that the stance that the United States has, has taken since 2011 under the leadership of President Obama. I think he did a lot of things right, but that was not one of them. Uh, when Assad started using chemical weapons on his own people in 2013 and he went across the inevitable red line, uh, America has taken a stance where I don't know if it's the fear of Russia or what have you, but you're talking about, you're talking about a country that, that Jesus and the prophets uh, walked in and Syria and Damascus and Saul and, and uh, Paul and, and some of the other ones. And to think that that America has has basically condemned nearly a million people to a, a life of being refugees and and in a crisis to where babies are being killed 
it saddens me, and I just wish that we would uh, take on that 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 foundation in which America should be about. And you know, I know that was a lot more than what I what I needed to say, but I certainly needed to say it. All right, man. And before we get out of here, our live audience, we're going to lose you in 30 seconds. So we appreciate you as always. And remember, if it's Sunday and if it's if it's Sunday, we're talking serious stuff. It is a serious side. And for most of the folks who always listen to us and, you know, at their leisure, we'll continue to march on. All right, man. Jerome, man, final thoughts. You know, I, I'll defer mine because that was um, elegantly said by um, Johnny D. So I'll, I'll defer my time to Johnny D and say see you guys next week. All right, Mr. Elias, man, gets the first and last word, my man. Final thoughts. All right, Vanessa. Look, look, folks, here here it is. Um, Our intelligence community is telling us that our election system is being attacked. Mitch McConnell's not doing a damn thing about that. Doesn't that alarm you? Doesn't that say something to you that, hell, I want to protect America at all costs, no matter what? The intelligence community is telling me we're being attacked, and he's taking bills and just shelving them. And you, you folks keep voting for him. I don't understand it. it. It befuddles me that you would even go down this road. But, folks, if you're not scared of losing our democracy, keep it up. We'll have, we'll have a tyrant in charge soon. Well, uh, in three days will be the eighth anniversary of the death of Trayvon Martin. And, uh, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, with everything that's going on in today's news, it's hard sometimes to remember every significant event that has happened in history. But I'm here to tell you, this is one that we need to mark on our calendars because there's still a family out there who is grieving the loss of their son. Imagine your kid going to the store to get some Skittles and some lemonade, and they end up being shot dead. And now to make it worse, that the person who actually committed this felon is actually still out there, and now this person is suing uh, folks in Congress. I mean, this guy is a disgusting human being, this Zimmerman cat. And the fact that eight years ago they lost their young boy, just think about it. Think about it as a parent. You just all of a sudden you get a call, your son is dead. And the fact that he was, that this guy walked is a thing that really is astonishing to me. And the fact that it happened, this stand your ground law and all this nonsense. Folks, you need to wake up. You know, the, mid, the midterms are, in my, my, in my opinion, the most important elections that you can participate in. Let's, let's get these senators out of office, man. Let's get these guys that's been in here forever and ever in the day. Get them out. Because every year someone talks about, oh, we're going to change this, we're going to change that. Have they changed it? We can play a campaign speech from back in the 80s. It can apply to today's standards. It's the same old nonsense. Get these idiots out of office. Send them home. Send them packing. They don't belong in Congress. There are over 300 bills on Mitch McConnell's desk right now that he refuses. He refuses to put up for a vote. And you tell me who's the most powerful man in the world. Is it the President of the United States or is it that old bastard from Kentucky? Get this guy out of office. Get these people out of office. Young people, think about who you're putting at the top of the ticket. Wake up. Let's not make the same mistakes that we made in the past. Pay attention to what's going on. Life ain't free. You got to pay for stuff. You can't get free college without having a Congress. Get these folks out of office. Get them out of office. And on that note, Mr. LES, if it's Sunday, and we're talking serious stuff. What time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the day. 
Wow. Show. Wake up, people. Wake up. It's a pleasure to serve you as always. So for Vanessa, for Johnny, for Mr. Elias, for, for my main man, Jerome, I'm Jay Rouse, saying have a wonderful work week. And remember, Sunday, and we're talking serious stuff. It is the serious side. God bless you. Wake up. Wake up. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 Network.